it's lovely to be with you. And, and Philippa, up until half past nine, was hoping to be here as well. But at that point, she got a call because she was sort of a substitute teacher and as a Sunday school teacher, and she sort of got called on to the pitch at the last minute, so she couldn't be here. But she sends her love to everyone. Um, Lynn and I got together several weeks ago initially, and uh, we felt there's three things on our hearts. One was being Pentecost Sunday, we wanted to talk about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and, and, and ha- what that was like. We wanted to think about self-image and identity in Christ, uh, and we wanted to think about perhaps people who hadn't met Christ for the first time. So we're sort of trying to cover all that, and the whole of the story of the Holy Spirit in 24 minutes or 20 minutes. So. It's a bit of a big ask, um, and maybe we're crazy to try to do it. um, So I thought it'd be really good to have an overview of the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine recently preached, and and this church said they went to to preach on the Psalms. And it was his first sermon he'd ever done, and he preached on the whole of the book of the Psalms, all 150 of them. I'm not sure he mentioned all of them, but it was quite a sort of long sermon, and so we're a bit like that today. So we're going to have an overview of the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, how we can experience him in our lives. And we're going to build in some time for reflection and thought and prayer Because the Holy Spirit is not a vague force, but someone you can know and experience in your life. So this uh, talk is cut into four pieces. So part one is looking at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And of course, right in the second verse of the Bible, uh, you hear of the Spirit hovering over the water. So the Holy Spirit was there right from the beginning. Now, you probably know that in the Old Testament, the the Holy Spirit is really given to various people at various times to do various jobs. And not to everyone, just various people. You may not know, because I didn't know until fairly recently, the very first person to be given a job and be filled with by the Holy Spirit to do that job is someone called Bezalel. Now, Bezalel, Carolyn knew, she's nodding, she's very clever. Um, So Bezalel uh, was an artist and a creative person, and he was given the Holy Spirit to shape precious metals and gems for the house of the Lord. So creativity was his thing, uh, and that's him. And then other people, you know, quite a lot of people, but just going to mention several others, Gideon. Gideon was very weak and very, very fearful, but he was God's person, just like Bezalel. He was God's person, and he was filled by the power of the Holy Spirit to become a brave warrior. Now, Samson, he was a crazy mixed-up kid, wasn't he? But the power of the Holy Spirit gave him strength to break those bonds and the strongest of ropes when he was in exile. And we'll sort of come back to that later. Ezekiel. Ezekiel had visions, and he had that amazing vision of the dry bones in the desert. And Lord said to him, can these bones live? 
and they became an army and then God breathed into him. But I want you also to think what God said through Ezekiel. He said, I will remove your hearts of stone and replace it by a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you. So now I want to, so those are some people who were given the Holy Spirit to do a particular job at a particular time. And I chose those people very specifically because I think how they were given the Holy Spirit and what their job for was given is mirrored in the New Testament. Okay, so now I want to look at one particular person in the Old Testament. And that is, if I can find my Bible. Thank you very much. Uh, Joel. And if you ever want a sort of a great Bible study, then just do a Bible study on Joel because it's just an extraordinary book. And I'm sure you know that it's about this great famine that's been caused by locusts and other insects. And you remember how it says in all the bits that the sort of one sort of locusts didn't get the next, you know, that was all eaten by another lot of locusts. And, some other nasty creature and um, so that was the, that was the background there was this terrible famine and then God says that he will restore the land if the people turn to him and then we get these these amazing words in Joel chapter 2 and at verse 28 then after doing all those things that's turning back to God I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men and old women will dream dreams and your young men and young women will see visions in those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants men and women alike it's sort of that's a game changer that verse so Lord is saying this is how it's been up till now different people Bezazel and you know the rest Gideon, Samson, Ezekiel and uh, Isaiah it's another one amazing uh, prophecies that he gave and he was given the Holy Spirit as well but now you've got that wonderful word all I will pour up my spirit on all people um, and it's not just for someone doing a particular do job, but now it's available to everyone at any time, regardless of their race or gender or ethnicity. So that's really where we're left at, you know, where we're left uh, at in the Old Testament. And then suddenly, things break forth as we move into the New Testament. And you can almost see the birth of Jesus as a great, loud trumpet blast. And everyone concerned within that is filled with the Holy Spirit. So you've got Mary. Let's look at some of these. Um, so in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. Let's find that. Uh, it says this. Mary asked the angel, 
but how can this happen since I'm a virgin? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the, mo most pa the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And it wasn't just Mary, but if we look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 41, it says this. A few days, a little bit before, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So Elizabeth, and then John the Baptist, as we look at Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptise you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than I. So much greater than I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there is John the Baptist talking of the Holy Spirit. And then just moving a little bit further down, we find that Jesus himself is filled with the Holy Spirit. One day, when the crowds were being baptised, Jesus himself was baptised. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit, in bodily form, descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and bring me great joy. So that's Jesus as well, and he's actually himself uh, filled by the Holy Spirit. So, as I said to you before, um, and after this we'll take a little sort of break and let some of the things I've said sink in. It's interesting to note that what happened in the Old Testament in a physical way now happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. So if you look at uh, Bezalel, he has skills to make, skills to form beautiful things out of beaten metal, it says, and gems to make the tabernacle of the Lord. But now we see people who are filled with the Spirit of God, able to be creative in all sorts of ways, writing new songs, having new attitudes, uh, with a new creativity. The Spirit brings a huge amount of creativity uh, and explore the, exp the creativity that the, that the Spirit is giving you. Um, I, I think creativity is what marks us. God is the creator and he creates us to be creative through the Holy Spirit. And then there was Gideon and Gideon was weak but the Holy Spirit made him a great warrior and the Holy Spirit works in us in all our inadequacies and our feelings of being ill-equipped to do things. All sorts of things. You say, Gosh, I just can't. I haven't got the strength. I haven't got the intellect. I haven't got the power. I haven't got the ability to talk to be able to do that thing. But God comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to us 
and deals with our inadequacies and our weakness. There was Samson at the end of his life, tied up, and everything, all his strength gone, and he prays for strength just one more time to break those bonds and to break those pillars. Today, we can experience the ability to break addictions and habits which stop us being the people that God wants us to be. Whether it's a desperate rush to get as much money as we can or as many friends as we can or have as many experiences as we can or we're addicted to some other something else, God through his Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to break those. Um, and Ezekiel, with his vision of the dry bones coming alive, shows us that our identity is not in our body image. It's not in our intelligence or our wealth or anything else. There's an awful lot of people, particularly young people, but others as well, who are so worried about their identity. And what we're trying to do is to let, let those young people and others know and find their identity as being a child of God. We're going to talk more about that, but that's really important. And then the other thing, of course, is the, uh, that Ezekiel shows us is the whole business of having a heart of flesh rather than that heart of stone. So if we've got a heart of flesh, that will draw us into desiring to help others, poor people, broken-hearted people, the captives and those in needs. And the experience of the Holy Spirit is all about making a difference in the world. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, have ever heard Jackie Pullinger speak. Anyone heard Jackie Pullinger speak? I've heard Jackie Pullinger speak. I'm th thrilled to say, by the way, for those of you who are interested, I uh, had coffee with the vicar of Grayswood uh, last week, and she had just come from a, a retreat where Jackie Pullinger, she, who's almost 90 now, spoke solidly for three days, she said, so she's still going strong. But Jackie Pullinger is the most remarkable person. Uh, she wanted to do God's will, and she didn't really know what that was going to be, so she saved up all her money, she got on a boat, and the boat sort of was going around the world, and she asked God to tell her where to get off, and God told her to get off when they got to Hong Kong, and uh, you might know that she then just did the most extraordinary uh, ministry to people in, with, in the triads, those hugely violent groups, and the drug people, and all that sort of thing, and there was an area... <coughs> of Hong Kong called the Forbidden City, where no police would go. But Jackie went in there and worked there. And Jackie has a, uh, a lovely saying, which is soft hearts and hard feet. Keep your heart soft, but your feet hard for all the walking you're going to do in doing God's will. So we're going to sort of take a little break there. And we're going to listen to a song being played, a little video. And while you're, while you're watching that, think what God might have been saying to you so far. You might want to make a note of that, or you might want to just see where your pencil goes if you want to do that, or just you might have to close your eyes, or you might want to look at the screen. So this will just be for two or three minutes.
So then I got to thinking about what did Jesus himself say about uh, the Holy Spirit. And the first time was that very dramatic time when Jesus went into the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 and verse uh, 18, verse 16. And it must have been a dramatic moment when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, his boyhood home, sorry, on the Sabbath, and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So there was Jesus claiming that amazing uh, prophecy that Isaiah had made where he said, we've got good news for the poor because these things are going to happen. The oppressed are going to be free. The hungry are going to be fed. And Jesus said, I am the person who is making that actually happen right now. The other thing that Jesus said that was so, another thing that Jesus said that was so interesting, I'm going to come back to actually the very end of this uh, brief sort of uh, run through about the Holy Spirit. And this is in John 7 and verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, by the way, notice the word there. 
So we talked about Jesus earlier on. Someone said sort of Jesus's soft voice. And I was writing this out because uh, if you've got your PowerPoint in front of you, you can see I've got that at the bottom. And I started to write... Um, Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. And I look back at the Bible, it didn't say that at all. It said, Jesus stood up and shouted, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered glory. I love the fact that Jesus is summoning uh, everyone. It's like that verse in Isaiah chapter 60. Ho was the old word it used. Ho everyone that thirsts, come to the water. And you who have no money, you come which is just a fabulous verse, I think. And, uh, and the fact that Jesus shouted, anyone who is thirsty can come to me, come to the uh, water. And the important thing there, it says, that the Holy Spirit would be given to everyone believing in him. Uh, but I've come to believe over the years that there's a sort of extra drenching of the Spirit that can uh, just fill us to overflowing and we need to keep on being filled, of course. Now, we often forget that some of Jesus' words are in the Acts of the Apostles, and that's when he talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. So this is Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Once, when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus then ascends to heaven and there are all the disciples and uh, I don't think it's just the, you know, the 11 and then they elected Matthias as the extra one. And uh, I don't think it was just those 12 people, but I think it was uh, a good, most definitely the women who were the faithful ones at the crucifixion. Uh, when nearly all the men sort of ran. Um, I'm sure it was that group and lots of other people as well. So we come to the day of Pentecost. And I think because it's Pentecost Sunday, we really must read the first four verses of Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting in one place, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And Wow, what a thing. And then Peter got up and was immediately not just uh, given the ability to sort of project his voice, but he had a, a fabulous sermon to preach that God had given him. And he makes reference back to what Joel said. So let's just read that little part as well. 
just put ourselves, put yourself in that crowd, that huge crowd that were all there, people from Parthia, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and Libya, Milford and Whitley and everywhere. You know, we're in that crowd and this is what Peter says. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you fellow Jews, residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about it, these people are not drunk as you're assuming, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, <clears throat> in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men and young women will see visions and your old men and old women will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. By the way, just a little side thought, I think I said this to you, didn't I, <laughs> Lena, when we were talking, if anyone ever says to you women should not speak in churches, as they still do in a few churches, um, there is, you know, bang on women prophesying. So um, now, so that is what the day of Pentecost was like. And remember, 3,000 people were added to the church in the, that day. Pope John Paul II said, the Holy Spirit is always awesome when he intervenes. He arouses astonishingly new events. He radically changes people and history. And that is one of the most... So I think that's a fabulous statement, really. Um, and the Bible goes on to talk uh, again also about the importance of new birth and adoption and becoming a child of God. Because as we become a child of God and we become more like Jesus, that's when we start to experience the fruit of the Spirit. So let's just look at that as we sort of draw to these, these thoughts together. So John 3 and verse 3. And this is Nicodemus, Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, but just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going to, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And then more than that, uh, if we look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. This talks about our, our position, our identity within Christ. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Don't know if you like that, know that song, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. If you don't know it, get to know it. It's wonderful. 
We are the children of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. So what a wonderful thing, being part of God's family, being a brother or a sister of, God, uh, of Jesus. And you've got this amazing thing, thinking, I am a child of God. I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. And it, knowing your identity on, in that and being born of the Holy Spirit. And if we do that, then we, if we look at 2 Corinthians 13, um, we just see one, just a couple of things. Sorry, I haven't got my, I haven't got the right verse written there. Let me just find that. I'm going to have to let you look for that verse in 2 Corinthians, because I know it's uh, verses 16 to 18, but I didn't put the chapter number, so that wasn't very clever of me. But in becoming a child of God, then the fruits of the Spirit are open to us fruit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Also, we have the, an intimate relationship with God the Father, and we read about that in Ephesians and chapter 2 and verse 18. And this, this, when I was studying all this, it was a new verse to me. I hadn't sort of realized this important part of being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit is our intimate relationship with God the Father. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because what Christ has done for us. And so we can have that intimate relationship with uh, the Father. And the gift of the Spirit is explained, and the gifts of the Spirit are explained in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. There's several lists like this, but this is uh, this one. A spiritual gift is given to us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives faith to another and someone else, the spirit, gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all his gifts. He alone decides what gift a person should have. So as we uh, now finish this, 
But I just want to say that so the fact that Jesus offers this living water and tells us to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit and we need to do something about that. We receive the Holy Spirit as we become Christians but there's more. God has got more for us. So today we would want to invite you to come and, ex and accept Jesus as your saviour who lived and died for you. If you haven't ever done that, that's what Jesus said, we need to be born again and accept God's free gift of the water of life. It might be that you want to pray about your self-image and to have and to be assured of your identity in Christ, you might want to be pray for someone else in that situation and to pray with someone about a, a member of your family or something like that. We'd be pleased to pray with you about that as well. Um, and we invite you also to come and receive the ex full experience of the Holy Spirit totally filling your life. And that will bring that intimate relationship with God the Father and an overwhelming desire to share Jesus to others and be united with the global church of God. So let's think about the fact that Jesus offers those living streams of water. Carol is going to read to us now just a short passage from this book, which is The Silver Chair from the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And I think it makes a good fitting ending to this sermon. Just listen very carefully. It's about Jill Pole, who's been running, and she comes to a stream. But although the sight of water made her feel ten times thirstier than before, she didn't rush forward and drink. She stood as still as if she had been turned to stone with her mouth wide open. And she had a very good reason. Just on this side of the stream lay the lion. If I run away, it'll be after me in a moment, thought Jill. And if I go on, I shall run straight into its mouth. Anyway, she couldn't have moved even if she'd tried. And she couldn't take her eyes off it. How long this lasted, she could not be sure. It seemed like hours. And the thirst became so bad that she almost felt she would not mind being eaten by the lion if only she could be sure of getting a mouthful of water first. If you're thirsty, you may drink. For a second, she stared here and there, wondering who'd spoken. Then the voice said again, If you're thirsty, come and drink. It was deeper, wilder and stronger, a sort of heavy, golden voice. It did not make her any less frightened than she had been before, but it made her frightened in rather a different way. Are you not thirsty? said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. I don't come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. It never occurred to Jill to disbelieve the lion. No one had, who had seen his stern face could do that. And her mind suddenly made itself up. It was the worst thing she'd ever had to do. 
but she went forward to the stream, knelt down, and began scooping up the water into her hand. It was the coldest, most refreshing water that she had ever tasted. You didn't need to drink too much of it, for it quenched your thirst at once.